Hi everyone, this is Aisha and Julia. Welcome to Meet Me at the Bookstore, a podcast dedicated to all things bookish. Our intention is to create a cozy space to share our thoughts on the books we've read, the books we're currently reading, the books we're excited to read, and at the end of the day, simply share our love for books. I need a quick disclaimer for anyone who's ever thought I sound I sound really congested <laughs> in the past few episodes. You'd be right. <laughs> I have terrible allergies and today is no different, um, but it might be worse. So, so I apologize. And if there's a little sniffle that I haven't managed to, to edit out or mute myself during, I apologize. <laughs> You're good. But yeah. Um, Thank you. <laughs> the last couple episodes, what we have been talking about specific books or naming books we've been talking about a lot of fantasy reads and with talk of book world but we figured we should give a little bit of a spotlight to general fiction reads and with that for today's episode we're going to focus on romance fiction reads and we are going to talk about two book tropes romance book tropes yes Before we go into that, as always, we're going to talk about our current reads. Um, I guess I'll jump into it. So, as everyone knows, I have been reading the Fairly Glass series. And while I was in Mexico City this past week, I finished Empire of Storms. And, ooh, that is the book where things get spicy. We love spicy. We do. I was very intrigued. I read it very quickly. So it's super fun. So I'm excited to continue continue that. But I've decided to take a really, really quick little break from Throne of Glass. And I've been reading The Body Says No by Gabor Mate. And it is a fascinating book. And it's all about the impact of stress on the body. And not just stress the way we think of it. It's more emotional stress. And even stress that comes from childhood trauma, and generational trauma and how that can influence illnesses, including cancer and ALS. And I, I suppose the book's gonna go on to mention other diseases and even maybe smaller things. It, it's super interesting. It's actually quite mind blowing and I hugely recommend everyone read it. That sounds like a good book, I think, for POC readers. Yeah, honestly, not, everyone. I, I don't want to discount white folks. I just know as a POC and just things I've seen online, like TikTok or Twitter, how, like in South Asian community, yes. generational trauma, yeah. how that has such a big impact. So diabetes, risk for diabetes, yeah. right, for South Asians because of so. uh, famine Yeah, in the past. But even generational trauma in the sense, like if your grandfather was an alcoholic, and then your mm-hmm. mother suffered because of that. And then you suffered because of, you know, whatever trauma your mother took on from her father, her parents, you know, even those things can, can really impact. And if you're, if you are not unable, cause this book is not about blaming, oh, you weren't, you weren't able to process mm-hmm. this trauma as a child. It's more like be aware of how emotional stress can influence illness. And it's more about if you repress that stress, that is when mm-hmm. illness can take a hold. So it's not like a, it, it's just important to be able to face the stress and the trauma that you hold inside of you and express it and, you know, let it out, talk about it. Don't repress it. Be yourself, be angry, be sad, let yourself feel emotions. Um, and it sounds so trivial, but it, 
I mean, the, doing those things can save your life, essentially, mm-hmm. is what the book is saying. I think I'm going to add this to my TBR. Yep, adding that to my list. I, on the other hand, I am reading purely fiction reads. I think one is maybe fantasy. So that book is All Our Hidden Gifts. I'll be honest, the reason why I started reading it is because I was able to get an advanced reading copy for the sequel. So I figured I should read you know, the first book uh, before getting into it. And uh, it's basically set in Ireland, in a school for girls, for our audience. I'm still trying to figure out what's happening. This girl basically finds some tarot cards, is doing some kind of cool tarot card readings. But while this is happening, she kind of wishes her former best friend to disappear. And lo and behold, she has disappeared. No one knows what's happened to her, where she's gone. Interesting. Um, It's, I'm still trying to figure this out. We've got a cult happening. Uh, I'll let the audience know where I'm at once we're done with this. It's I don't know where it's going. <laughs> I'm confused, honestly. But it is one of those books that reminds me, as an adult, that sometimes YA reads might not hit the spot for me. Uh, That's that, like it probably would have. This character was born in 2005. Stop. <laughs> A fetus. Which she was saying, oh yeah, this the, so-and-so happened in 1995. And then like 10 years later, my mom had me. I was th- just thinking, she is 10 years younger than me. There is a reason why I'm struggling right. yeah. with this book, I think. I think, I mean, I think some, perhaps some authors do it better, better than others. And I think it depends what the story is about. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sometimes it can be relatable. For example, I can read what Anna Green Gables a million times and still relate to the character. But then, yeah, there's some where you're like, this is, <laughs> this is over my head. Yeah. Um, the other book I'm reading uh, is called The Promise by Leslie Pierce. And first book, Belle is kidnapped and thrown into sex trafficking at the age of 16 from London. And it's just a story of her trying to find her way back home to London, but then also her family trying to see what happened to her, get her back. So you usually feel comfortable knowing that there's a sequel because you figure out things got to be okay with that main character if there's a follow-up. So the book I'm reading, The Promise, it's Belle, you know, many years later. It's World War One, and she's an ambulance driver in France. And we got a little love triangle happening, you know, a previous love coming back in him I'm obsessed with. Ooh. Um, so just carrying on with that. If anyone likes historical fiction, historical romance, this is definitely one I recommend. Um, and I'll talk a bit more about it later. So basically, I mean, I love reading romance fiction. Yeah. I always have. I think I mean, we've discussed a million times how we've always read books from Sophie Kinsella, Cecilia Earn. I mean, our listeners are probably tired of us mentioning those names. But, you know, we, we were reading them since we were really young. And that's like classic romance fiction right there, right? A lot of times. I, th- I think for for that time, that's what was considered, you know, the go-to romance reads. Yeah. I think now it's, who's the author who wrote Beach Read? I think she's now the go-to. Is she? So, Emily Henry? I think she is because she came with a new book out and everyone's oh. going about Beach Read, people we meet on vacation, book lovers. Oh, that um, one. Yes. Oh, okay. But no, for... Back in the day, at least yeah, back in the day, uh, over yeah. ten, 10 years ago, it was um, those two authors. Yeah, and I think there's also a difference between classic romance and maybe chick lit, which I think I do think Sophie Kinsella borders on chick lit, while Cecilia Earn is more 
classic in her type of yeah. writing and plot. And, I mean, you know, P.S. Yeah. I Love You is not a chiclet. Exactly, exactly. She was sobbing heart, yeah, in that. Heartbreaking, <laughs> exactly. So I think there is that difference. And I, um, and I, you know, I'm not judging. I love chiclet. I read a ton of it, as we'll talk about. But it is interesting to see the difference between it. And I think Chiclet is actually having a huge comeback. I mean, maybe with book talk. And I think it's great. I think it's a you know subgenre of book that gets people excited to read. And it's because they're so easy to read. And even for me, if I have a slump, I'll mm-hmm. pick up a Chiclet book and rip through it. And then I'll be back into the reading saddle. Sometimes you just need it like a quick and easy read yeah, and that's um, to get out of a slump. Yeah. yeah. I, another author that was, you know, a, a classic romance read is Nicholas Sparks. Classic. Could I, I mean, there are also the ones, they're on par with P.S. I Love You. You're always sobbing. There's always some sad story yeah. <laughs> in his books yeah. and could not stop reading them. Like, I don't know why I want to put myself through that pain, but I did. No, for sure. Um, I did as well. I, I read quite a few of them. <laughs> I am literally, I am looking at them right now on my shelf. Um, sometimes I've thought about wanting to reread them and then I just realize it's, yeah, I not, don't want to deal yeah. with that <laughs> trauma. <laughs> but yeah, I guess, do we want to talk about our favorite romance fiction reads? Yeah, some of our tops. Go ahead, you, you start. So, I mean, I already mentioned Beach Read. So that is, like, I would say, a more recent addition to my list. I read it, actually, when I went to go visit Julia earlier this year. Borrowed it from her, and I finished that in two days. I, it was astonishing. I inhaled that, I inhaled, <laughs> I inhaled that book. Um, yeah, so I, I think that is a good... Um, it's a good one. Quote, modern. It's like a, yeah. a, a newer, ver- like a present-day one. The ones I liked back in the day were um, Can You Keep a Secret by Sophie Kinsella. I was obsessed with that book. I always wanted to reread that. And then Where Rainbows End by Cecilia Hearn. Is that how we say that? I so think that it is, is a Hearn. I have no idea. <laughs> I listened to a podcast with her and I still don't know how to say her name. I'll, I'll look it up in a bit. I think it's um, a Hearn, honestly. <laughs> where Rainbows End is... Uh, the book version of love rosie oh i love i love love rosie but and then i guess honorable mentions um by leslie pierce's gypsy and bell maybe not bell because it was just it was like kind of heavy to read but leslie pierce knows how to like pull your heartstrings with historical romance yeah i honestly i love i love historical romance jumping into mine from there one of my all-time favorite romance reads is song of achilles and you might be like, that's not historical romance. Depends how you look at it. I'm going to look at it as historical instead of pure myth. Madeline Miller is a beautiful writer, but Song of Achilles, she it's not, it's Achilles' story is not thought of as a love story by many modern day thinkers, but she takes it and turns it into one. And it's the most beautiful love story between Achilles and Patroclus. And I, I don't cry when I read books, honestly, but I shed a solitary tear when I finished reading that book because it was so, so beautiful. And a lot of it does have to do with her writing. Incredible. Um, another really beautiful romance, not, it, it, it's kind of romance, kind of not, but it's Ariadne by <clears throat> Jennifer Saint. Also kind of, I class it as historical fiction, has <laughs> some myth thrown in there, but there is, there is a lot of romance in it. Um, but it's also purely the story of Ariadne, and it's so beautifully written. 
Um, so I would highly recommend those two books. As Aisha mentioned, we're big fans of Sophie Kinsella. My favorite is Undomestic Goddess. I think we talked about it a little bit last episode. That's a classic. I also love Me Before You by Jojo Moyes. I read that at university. And I remember it was during finals and I neglected all my work until I finished that book. It, oh, it did something to me. Another fun series that I like that's technically romance. It's all about, I mean, all the plots surround romance the crazy are the crazy rich asian series and i i read it very long before it became popular way before the movie came out and i thought it was i thought it was such a fun fun read that is a good series i i know we were talking about that before when we were preparing for this episode and i read that not forever, forever ago, but yeah, kind a of, good yeah. while back. Especially the first um, book, right? I, I remember I found the first book. I, I was in some hotel somewhere random. I don't know. I don't know when this was. But you know how hotels have little libraries? So I snuck in there and pulled out this book, and that's how I found it. <laughs> Super random. All right. So we are going to focus on two romance book trips in this episode because there's just so many that we could talk about forever and we just thought it'd be easier to spend more time on two. So we're going to talk about miscommunication and our favorite enemies to lovers. I think miscommunication is one of our least favorites. Although we seem to read quite a few <laughs> with miscommunication in it. Uh, that is true. It's a very popular trope. I don't know why I hate it. <laughs> I think, I mean, miscommunication is, it's, I mean... Just in general, in life, miscommunication is such a thing, and it's very annoying in real life, right? When you just like between two people, two friends, family, miscommunication is very easy to come about. So I feel like it makes sense to write about it, although some some authors take it too far. <laughs> Maybe it's that they're just taking it too far. I think for me, communication is a, such a is a trait that I value so much in life in like friendships, work relationships. When I read books, I think it's one of those things where you just, I want to just like hit a character on the head and be like, you're so stupid. What are you doing, <laughs> yeah. you dumbass? I mean, true. And I guess the thing is with miscommunication, a lot of times it centers around lies. And the whole idea is that they there's something that it's they feel compelled to lie about, right? They have to do this for whatever reason. I think it's that. And then also like withholding information. And I think that's what peeved me. And then, I don't know, maybe I'm holding some people to a standard. But when I, a lot of the times, it's with characters who are our age and older. I'm just thinking, did you not learn anything through <laughs> high school or uni that you don't like it when someone's not communicating with you? Why are you doing this? Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's also a lot of, even sometimes there is a lot of communication, but it's just, lies or or like you mentioned they have withheld a huge part of who they are for whatever reason i mean a classic example of that is undomestic goddess she lies about you know what she's doing in this particular town and who she is and her background but it's still you know even though miscommunication is one of my least favorite tropes that is one of my all-time favorite like chick lit romance reads so i guess if done well it can it's okay because oftentimes miscommunication, right? It's like one person finds out that the other person has lied and then they fall out and that's horrible to read. But if the author can make the coming back together make sense, 
and make them understand each other, then I think it can work. And also if the lying and the miscommunication isn't too horrible, if it's understandable. I think I think that's what peeves me. Um, I, we were just talking about beach rave. I think there's a thing of, like you said, it depends on the lie, what you're withholding, but I think it's also how that other person reacts to it. And that's what peeped me in beach read where I don't even remember the, the main female character was upset because the main guy, Gus, didn't tell her something. And she thought he owed that information to her, which like, fine, I will validate it to an extent. That said, he does not owe you anything yeah. because you guys reconnected in life. It, it, there's nothing he owes to you. And it was her reaction to it of kind of just closing up. Oh, no, nothing's wrong with me. And just like brushing him off. When there clearly is something oh, that, that's what oh, that's yeah. what peeved me where it's yeah like, act an adult to say you know what this pissed me off um i need time for myself right like talk about you know? it don't just and storm away the and, funny yeah. thing is this the book i'm reading all our hidden gifts our kid the, the kids they're like 16 17 and they somehow know how to set boundaries where yeah, they talk this happened it. two times where between two girlfriends and she's just saying you know what i'm not happy that you basically don't believe me i'm gonna draw the line here but we are still friends i'm just upset you don't believe whatever i'm doing and it's same thing with like this guy where he was just saying you know i'm upset learning this information i'm still want to be friends with you still want to talk to you and all that but i need to draw a boundary i'm thinking that's so healthy wow. that teenagers can you know do what? this that is super interesting you know? because you're right you know and a lot of maybe romance chick lit books that you see about older people I guess that's us now um damn you know you're right you know there is no boundary drawing there's just the storming away there's the mm-hmm. festering in silence and isolation being like why did this happen how could this happen etc and you know maybe that is a difference between the younger generation and the older generations and, um, you know I get you know walking off I'm a stubborn person all my <laughs> friends will tell you that like I know it that said it's, I mean, it's annoying to, as hell to read it, about it. Um, the other book that I think about is um, with some POC representation is First Love Take Two. Um, I'm going to have to look up the author's name in a bit. But I think in, in this situation, it was, you got an Indian girl, black guy, they did it in college, but her family didn't know because South Asian culture can be, for lack of better words, impolite terms or let's be blunt can be racist right the culture can be racist very very true um where she didn't tell her parents that because she thought it would like affect their health and whatnot and she like broke up with him it also was because his dad kind of told her break up with him you are not good enough for my son he deserves to marry this ex rich woman you are not worthy at all right yes and so then she breaks up with him and never explains never to tells, why. Yeah. But it, it, he keeps asking why, like, what did I do? You know, what yeah. what's happening? And she doesn't tell him because, you know, I don't want my mom to have a heart attack or whatnot. Or like your dad basically yeah. is like, you're not good enough. Yeah. To which, I mean, she had her own um, reasons. And I guess there's so much trauma. Pain. Like, right? I, exactly. Yeah. And that's the thing with miscommunication. It's like, yeah, sometimes it can be annoying, but sometimes it is understandable. But in the end, it is so frustrating. But that creates tension in the book that oftentimes keeps you reading. I mean, even with Love, Rosie, right? That's a mm-hmm. whole lot of miscommunication because neither person can admit what they feel for the other. Would you think Love, Rosie, Love, Rosie is basically 
miscommunication. An earlier version of Normal People. Oh, I haven't read Normal People. Is that's it? literally, oh my God, that's what I, I, I think that's it. Because, <laughs> you know, they're also in Ireland, uh, like hooking up and whatnot. And then it's like, no, we can't date each other. I can't be with you. Then they break up. Well, I guess each they're other more love, Ra- love Rosie. They're more just friends, right? But then it like in uni, it's like they, they come back to maybe being friends because they're dating other people, yeah. but then they want to get with each other and it's like on offs kind yeah. of situation. Yeah, I think she was inspired by Love Rosie. Probably. You know, I'm sure a lot of people were. Yeah. I'm, I think, again, it's because I value communication so much that it peace me to no end. Yeah. And I, yes, I agree. But again, if done well, like with Love Rosie, it could be mm-hmm. it can be such a good read. Um, I think when when you're talking about you know books for this that we wanted to discuss or this trope, you were saying that and talking about other tropes, we were talking about the fake dating trope and how often, if not all of the time, that always involves miscommunication. And I don't know about you, I'm not a big fan of the fake dating trope either. See, I actually really like it, but not when there's miscommunication. For example, I mean, maybe I'll start with a movie reference to make sure you know what I was talking about. I'm thinking about the Adam Sandler movie with Jennifer Aniston. Oh, yeah. just go with it. Just go that with it, a, yeah. It's a good one. It's, yeah. It is a good one. And they are fake dating, but there isn't miscommunication because they both decided to do this thing together, and but they don't really r- realize what it will do to them. Um, so I love that kind of thing. But so one book that I read, it's The Unhoneymooners. Um, and I mean, that title alone kind of tells you what, what the deal is. Um, but yeah, I think a fake dating trope, like done in that way is quite fun. I, I guess I just need to come across some because I mean, the two that I could think of was To All the Boys I Loved Before right. and The Love Hypothesis. Yeah, um, a lot more miscommunication. In I, it definitely a lot more in The Love Hypothesis. To All the Boys I Loved Before, I guess maybe I let it slide because they're in high school. Right, you know, right, kids yeah. Where you, you get, they're both kind of doing it. I mean, she kind of gives into it, but in a way it's to both their benefit. I can't really think about it. In the love it hypothesis? For, for To All the Boys I Loved oh. Before. I'm trying to think what the benefit is to Laura Jean. I can't remember. I'm going to look this up. Um, um, but I do agree just... with you that it's more understandable when it is younger characters, but the love hypothesis because the characters are older, the youngest character is around our age, right? Yeah. And the level of miscommunication is absolutely obscene. It's almost unrealistic, the extent to which it the was... miscommunication happens. I was so... Um... Cringe. I, I, I had secondhand embarrassment yeah. reading this book. Oh, yeah. Um, um, yeah, we can go in about love hypothesis because I feel like we had, we had a, a long discussion about it. Maybe we'll do that another time, but... Yeah. But let's move on to more... The more exciting trope for the both yeah, of the us. Yeah, the better one. Which is enemies to lovers. So I could talk about this in any All day. genre. Maybe maybe not nonfiction. I don't know. But like <laughs> in fantasy, I could talk about this forever. <laughs> it is my favorite book trope. Absolutely. I live for enemies to lovers. I read books just to get a glimpse of whatever enemy to lover romance is happening in them. And I agree across all genres, if there is any type of enemies to lovers tension, I'm here for it. Uh, we are here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> the, I mean, we, we hit on, we hit on some, some books like Beach Read, 
But to be fair, as I was taking notes, I know a lot of people say love hypothesis or I saw things on BookTok or Instagram where love hypothesis is enemies to lovers, but Julie and I do not think that is true. Yeah. It because he likes her the entire he time. Likes, he likes her. He's winning in this situation. He's got a perk. He's just not a hated he's he's not a liked professor. That's yeah. all. So everyone else hates him. <laughs> Uh, but Beatrice, I don't know, the, the more I think about it, I think there's like catty feelings between the two of them. Yeah. Like they're, they, like, they're both competitive, but it isn't true think, simmering it's, hate. It's, it's, it's exactly. Um, yeah, but that, that is like a level. I guess there's levels, right, when it comes to enemies to lovers. Let's make a pyramid. Let's yeah. make a graphic <laughs> promise. <laughs> even when it, for example, like, let's say Anne of Green Gables. I mean, they're young, so it's not pure rage against each other, right? But there is that tension. There is for sure, like, that rivalry. Yeah. There's this, I mean, I need to keep reading the rest of the series to remind myself and all that, but it it is, we just like that tension. That tension. Because it, it makes me think, which I know is not a true statement, let's be real, but it makes me think, you know, back in school when a little kid's like, well, someone's being mean to me. And it's like, no, they like you. It means that they like you, yeah. which is a lot of crap. Yeah, That's a lot of crap. Real. If someone is mean to you, F them. Um, you know, it could be the start of an enemies to lovers, but you know what? That's yeah. not an excuse. Yeah, not an excuse. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, maybe we just have some trauma when it comes to, when it comes to that. Probably, probably. But, but you know, you're right. It's all about the tension. And I think what makes a good enemies to lovers is how well that tension is brought out. Because, again, when we talk about Anna Green Gables, that tension is described so well. I mean, when he, I still can remember in my head when he pulls her hair and calls her, what, like, carrot top or something. And comparing that to... Um, when she drops his, her chalkboard on oh my god like, yeah this. yeah you know what honestly there was some simmering simmering rage rage i take it back there was a lot of anger between them um, but you know what he won my little heart when he was like <laughs> let me give her an apple oh or a god, candy to win her heart and i was just like you're trying i know and at That's the end so oh my god when they're both trying to get into uni <laughs> okay honestly who can beat there's only one couple out there that could be Anne and Gilbert I think you know who it is okay I'm thinking of two actually oh okay who, who? um I was gonna say are you talking about uh Darcy and Elizabeth of course okay well then I was gonna talk about I guess I'm pretty sure the author of Bridgerton was inspired by oh. Pride and because uh, yes. Kate, Kate and Anthony are Darcy oh, and Elizabeth exactly, exactly. um but yeah, they, they are, I mean, from the show that we both watched together, I haven't read the book, so, which is why I'm same, not including same. it, but yes, that was an amazing Ooh. Enemies to Lovers arc, Bridgerton season two. I was here for it. We were here for it. We, oh, sorry, I'm just thinking about it. <laughs> um, no, yeah, about, so let's talk about Pride and Prejudice. That, I think, for us, is maybe the all-time classic, classic. Enemies to Lovers yeah. that many you know prop authors through the ages since then have been inspired by that i mean there's so many um books themselves that and films uh, have, yeah. have a character that is like yeah. a darcy a, an elizabeth exactly. a whole family situation but they want to build that tension that tension that, yeah. wow, that tension <laughs> um exactly um you know what i'm thinking two. of now though isn't there a bit of miscommunication in Pride and Prejudice? Because because oh, completely. yeah, because Darcy is so brooding and he can't <laughs> express any emotion aside from just darkness. Um, 
this is making me think of that meme I was talking about where he is proposing to her in the rain, which is a lovely scene <laughs> that we enjoy. And it's, I'm sorry I roasted you. <laughs> I was trying to flirt. Exactly. Um, that, that is his miscommunication. He just didn't, yeah. it just, he doesn't, he's just an awkward fellow. Yeah. But so then I, again, I think when done well and when, and when done realistically and when everything else works out, that type of miscommunication is great to read about. Um, yeah, I think it's just. I, I think it's. You're, you're right. I think it's that. like how it's developed. And the maybe extent I'm, of it. Maybe I have a soft spot for Darcy, and I'm letting him off. Do you um, do you want to talk about the hating game? Because I I could talk about the movie, but I guess it seems like they might be slightly different. Yeah. So another great um, enemy to lovers. I mean, I when I saw this title, I snatched it off the shelf so quick. I was like, it's enemies to lovers, because <laughs> it's called. <laughs> the hating game you you know in the tiktok where it's like uh they have that card and they're like smacking the table they're like i'm gonna buy this yeah you're like that's how i picture you like take take my money (laughs) yeah no that was that was me yeah this is this to me because some books that are enemies to lovers aren't expressively playing to the trope right it's just something that occurs quite organically such as in pride and prejudice but the hated game is i mean she embodied the trope full on which i love because that's all i want from page one it is clear that's two people who hate each other but there is a heck of a lot of tension between them and it builds for a good while i quite enjoyed reading it just because like i'm not saying this book was like very well written or anything or like a it it was just the fact that it embodied the trope so wholeheartedly and i was here for that You know what you were saying? I'm going to talk about the movie in a bit, but I think what you said was an interesting take that sometimes books, they might not be written well, or like romance books, they might not be written well literature-wise, right? But sometimes you can overlook that, or the cheesiness, let's be honest, for some of them, because you might like the trope or like the relationship built up. Um, exactly. Yeah, that, that, I don't just, I don't need to read high literature. Like I'm not out here reading classics only. I'll read anything, everything. And I respect books for all different reasons. But I have not, I have not read The Hating Game. I actually have it on my mom's iPad to read. So I need to wait <laughs> till I see her to read it. But I watched the movie recently and I enjoyed it. It was spicy. I was here for it. I was giggling the whole time <laughs> I watched it. It's troubling to say that we buy into a trope think... where people hate each other <laughs> I, I guess i don't know because hate can sometimes be taken as a strong world word i think what it is is having someone to compete with you or rival against you i rivalry. don't know what it is it's the it kinda, it's kind of hot they match your hot. intellect that's the whole thing it's because it, they can go head to head with you they can they can they can challenge you and I, yeah they like, i guess we, we think that's sexy one important disclaimer is that a lot of the a lot of the enemies lovers trope is that before like it's when they're getting to know each other that they have the rivalry right once they once they are together it is a loving relationship so i don't want to like sit here and condone toxic relationships no. where people hate each other like no that's not what we're about like that is not we i think for us good. what we've co- come to say is it, it's rivalry think about okay Anne of green gables there's rivalry between Anne and Gilbert. They hate a game. There's rivalry between the two of them. They're trying to get this job, trying to one-up each other at work. That um, Beatreed, I mean, yeah, they're both trying yeah. to be the best literary writer, you know, be on New York Times bestseller or whatever. I think that's what it is. If we talk about 
enemies to lovers fantasy that's i could talk go into that a bit more differently another time because i think it has its different nuances a little bit Um, yeah i agree oh i did want to mention one more enemies to lovers so it's last tang standing by lauren ho that's another great option for enemies to lovers takes place in singapore it's a fun read Uh, but there is one more book or book series that we want to mention right about enemies to lovers yeah i mean this duology these violent delights and our violent ends you've also got both enemies to lovers and miscommunication forbidden love that's a good that's that, a great that too, that too. part subtract I, I think, I think it starts out as forbidden love and then you've got the enemies to lovers and then you throw in the miscommunication yeah um, all of it all of it just mixed. yeah it, it, <laughs> it, it has a has a range you know start to finish there but definitely that that was also that's um, a good one I mean, look, love is messy. I think if there's anything that we can conclude after all this conversation, it's that love is messy and we love to read about it, even when it's annoying. (laughs) We are suckers for romance. (laughs) It's a takeaway. We We are suckers for romance. And, you know, I always think, what came first? Me as a hopeless romantic or the books that made me a hopeless romantic? I don't know. I think we got to throw in movies as well because we probably saw movies. That's true. That was a big influence. You know, yeah. but so then you're saying that we were influenced to be like this. <laughs> I think I think so. Yeah. Because then you're seeing. Gosh, be careful out there, gonna... people. You could end <laughs> up a hopeless romantic. <laughs> Goddamn right. <laughs> well, if you would like to share with us your favorite romance reads or authors, please, uh, or even your favorite book trope, please let us know. We are always down to add books to our ever-growing TBR. Yes, and if you agree or disagree with anything we've said, we'd love to hear about it. We want to thank you for joining us today and hope that you'll continue on this bookish journey with us. Don't forget to follow us on Spotify.